Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. We have just watched episode three of Terror of the Autons. Part three? No, sorry, you put... It's BritBox. We watched this episode of BritBox, and after the episode stopped playing, for some reason it went to the beginning of season eight. Because it is a weird thing how it lists the whole season and episodes and not stories of this particular view. And it like scrolled backwards super, yeah. super fast. So I just looked up at the screen. It's like, Terror of the Autons. That is not what we watched. We watched uh, part three of Claws of Axis. There we go. Yep. We even had all four words of the title in the uh, episode. Because the doctor said claws, mm-hmm. these claws or whatever they are. We heard axos and probably had of and the in there somewhere too. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is um, we're taking this one kind of uh, nice and slow, watching a, an episode per podcast, which we don't always do with parts uh, four part stories. But here we are, mostly because otherwise you'll get too sleepy. Yeah, that and you know this is. I think we've. We've reached the end of my Doctor Who happy place, and now I have to take it very slowly to, you know, get through it without starting to feel negative again. Which was your Doctor Who happy place? All of the 60s, Uh, (laughs) I think. Well, you did enjoy season seven. That's true. That is true. That is true. That surprised me greatly. Yeah. And and you didn't not enjoy Terra the Autons and the Mind of Evil. Yeah, they're fine. And the first two episodes of this story, I think you enjoyed relatively enough? They were fine. Yeah. And what about episode three? Is it also fine? Yeah. Fine. Okay. Well, that was uh, <laughs> Lazy Doctor Who for this week on the Incomparable Network. Uh, yep. Is there, uh, is there any other? Uh, there are many bits uh, that I enjoy from this. Mostly, it's Roger Delgado as the master. He is great in this episode. Yeah, he is. He uh, is very mastery and very smooth his reaction when he walked into the TARDIS and saw the mess was delightful that was a that was a great moment it was like a parent coming into her child's uh dorm room at university after being away all year and going what what is this mess yep and he cleans it up he cleans (laughs) up the doctor's TARDIS so if the doctor ever gets his TARDIS working again spoilers he probably will at some point uh you can thank the master for cleaning up the mess mm-hmm. well i mean clearly the doctor was in the middle of working on something so i feel yeah. like cleaning up the mess may have thrown off whatever particular I- experiment the doctor was in the middle of with his tardis so that wasn't necessarily helpful i mean he's trying to get it working which you know yeah. that is a helpful thing but uh but obviously it didn't work. So maybe whatever the doctor was about to do was just about to work and he was almost there and the master <laughs> just ruined everything like the master does. Uh, that's uh, that's very ambitious of you to think that the doctor will have just figured it out. Uh, there are lots of bits. I love him just sort of being frustrated with, you know, it'd be easier to run a second ha- hand gas stove. I, mean, I just said out loud, how dare you, sir? Yeah. Uh, I liked his, you know, they, they couldn't do much because it was just in studio and it was just one shot from behind and you immediately sussed that it was him in disguise as uh, some sort of general looking down the whole time while giving Benton orders and stuff. I, I just love the interaction, the sort of, you know, the negotiating that he was putting on with the brigadier and everything, you know, talking about, you know, sticky, sticky tape on the windows <laughs> when it guards the nuclear explosions, all that stuff, just some great Delgado stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was good. And then at the very, very end, the whole, you know, the fact that they have to choose between destroying Axos mm-hmm. along with the Doctor and Joe or possibly the entire world. 
Yeah. And the brigadier is thinking no, and then which is it to be brigadier? I was I was a little bit disappointed there that our focus uh, was on the master because the brigadier was in frame a little bit, like his face is a little bit, and like when when there's a decision like that happening, like I want to see the brigadier's feelings about it. We know what the master thinks about <laughs> this. Like who cares? I want to see the brigadier's face, and you know, having to do that sort of mental calculus. Now, sort of the second big decision that needed to be made because the first one was the brigadier not wanting to promise the master his freedom mm-hmm. uh, because thousands of people will die. I'm like, well, if thousands of people die, the master's going to be one of those people. And right. that's probably going to save countless millions or billions of lives in the future. So maybe right here in the Claws of Axos, like we could have, yes, many people, many innocents uh, in Britain would have also died. And so would the master and Joe uh, and to the doctor, mm-hmm. but you know, all of the people that the master goes on to kill later would, uh, would still be alive. But then again, all the people that the doctor goes on to save later would not. So who knows? There you go. And, and he's probably thinking, you know, okay, I'll give you your freedom for now. I'll buy some time, yeah. but then I'll trick them later on and we'll get them back. Yeah. That's, I mean, it, obviously that's the only decision to be made. Yeah. The brigadier is mm-hmm. cleverer than you think. I think he's pretty clever. He's pretty clever, actually. He's even clever than you think. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, we saw the TARDIS, the TARDIS interior for the first time since episode 10 of the War Games. Can you believe that? I was actually really surprised. I thought the Master was just going to go in there and then we weren't going to see him again until he came out to do mm-hmm. something. But no, it's uh, it's it's diff- It's a little dingy. Um, yep. And I like the, the round dark blue scanner window yeah. thing. That was cool. Uh, yeah, so it was it was very exciting to see the inside of the TARDIS. It was very weird to see the inside of the TARDIS for the first time in so long and have it not be with the Doctor. I know, and it's just, yeah, I know, it's, it's rare for, like, someone else other than the Doctor or the Companion to go into the TARDIS in the first place, yeah. but the fact that the first time we see inside is when the Master is, and you can kind of see how a bit banged up the original, because those are the original walls, yep. uh, having, having had a couple alterations since 1963, but... Here we are seeing them again in color for the first time. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also liked the uh, the line with the uh, the guy from the the reactor saying you you you're going to hold the output of the entire reactor in a police box. Yeah. <laughs> Roger Delgado was just like yes, <laughs> yeah, just yes, and then just walks off. He is so great. He is so great. I think this story for me. Uh, cements Roger Delgado as the definitive master. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, because he's not, so far he's not really, I think he has he even met the doctor in this story? I'm trying to think. I don't think he has yet. So it's all been him, like, uh, interacting with a whole bunch of other characters and the usual regulars. And, you know, I even like the way that he chucks his gun to uh, Captain Yates when he's surrendering. You know, he doesn't just lay it on the floor or anything. He sort of chucks it to him cavalierly and expects him to catch it. Like, uh, it just, uh, he's he's just got so much confidence and bravado and he's wonderful. And panache. Panache. Elan. Elan. I'm just going to repeat all the words you say. Yeah, he's pretty great. Pretty great. Um, I want to point out a, a thing, a directorial touch from Michael Ferguson, one of my favorite directors. At the end of the episode, when the, the master's saying, uh, you know, either which is it to be Brigadier, the Earth, or, or the Doctor and Joe, um, what Michael Ferguson does, and perhaps why he couldn't afford to cut away to uh, the Brigadier, is what he'll do. He did this in The Ambassadors of Death, is there'll be two sort of um, concurrent zooms. 
there's like one zoom, one camera is zooming slowly in on the switch, and the other camera is zooming slowly in on the master, and they cut between them, and it's like tension building. It's just like he's used that effect a few times, and he used it again here, and I was very pleased with it. Another thing, a uh, visual trick that I liked a lot was when the doctor was talking, he's in Axon or Axos and he's talking to the Axon head mm -hmm. that's sort of on the screen in front of him yeah. and it keeps like kind of turning but then it shifts so it looks like it's looking the other way and is turning and it's just, it's a very disorienting effect and was very effective and I like that. It was so cool they had Bernard Hawley who played the Axon guy standing on a turntable and basically there's a camera you know at his nine o'clock we'll say and a camera at his six o'clock oh. and they basically turned him there and it just faded between the two dissolved between the two cameras so it was a simple little effect and then you know simple uh and then of course cso'd onto the screen um it's a very complicated visual episode for yeah. 1971 technology it's um i'm glad you noticed that yeah. And appreciated it. I did. Yep. That was that was something that stood out. I, I liked that I think a lot better than I like the 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 weird spaceship interiors yeah. and stuff that the doctor has to struggle his way through to uh to get to Joe and, and release her where we get a shot of her underwear, which was uh Yep, that's what happens when you're wearing a skirt that short and you have to get up off the floor. And like I was like, you know what, I can't tell if it's actually pink or if it's just the lighting. <laughs> Don't know. Right. I th in uh, the discontinuity guide, uh, co-written by Paul Cornell, mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a running count of how many times you see Joe's knickers in the course of Doctor Who uh -huh. because of camera angles and um, short skirts. So, so it might be an ongoing thing. This might be the first one. I, I can't remember. Uh, it's the first, certainly the first time I noticed. So she only had like pants and stuff in Mind of Evil, didn't she? Yeah. I feel like I would have noticed. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the kind of thing I would look for. <laughs> Usually people would say that about people like me, but I'm glad that you did not say that. Um, what else in this episode? Squaddies got killed by, uh, by an axon, mm -hmm. which you thought was pretty impressive. Yeah, I was not expecting him to completely explode into a ball of flame. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And then the next two just sort of got fizzledly zapped, which is, you know, which is fine. I figure, you know, you, you only have so much fireball, you got to just use it, use it up once. And then, and then the next two are going to be a little bit less uh, impressive. Or perhaps because he, they were right by the entrance to the, um, the power complex with the big giant sign there. Maybe yeah. thought, I better be careful here. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like letting a cigarette next to a pile of dynamite or something like that. I'll just be, but this guy, that other guy was running away <laughs> we could totally blow him up and it was pretty impressive speaking of run well not running away but i quite enjoyed the uh all the long shots of the big tentacly poofy axon mm -hmm. like just walking through the skywalk or the ped yeah. pedway depending on where you're from um just you know tromping through then he's got to go down the staircase and and into the parking garage i was yeah. like this is just like edmonton in the winter <laughs> yeah. i'm wearing a giant huge puffy coat with a whole bunch of pants and my hood is up i'm like i'm kind of waddling because that's i've got so many clothes on and yeah then i get to walk through the pedway and then i have to walk down the stairs yeah. and into the parking garage i was like this i feel this 
<laughs> push open the door. Maybe yep. she's got like a key card to swipe it or something. You know, a, a more powerful alien would probably would have broken through that glass or something like that. But no, I'm going going the usual route. Thank thank goodness for good signage, so I know which way to go. Yeah. Says the axon. I hate it when when you're in the pedway and you can't figure out which direction you need oh. to go when you get through the door. So it was uh, yeah, it just seemed very, very, very pedestrian. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Yep. And quaint and very Doctor Who. Yep. Uh, what else happened in this? The Doctor thinks some mechanic. Actually, the Doctor spends most of his episodes sitting in a chair thinking about math. Yeah, a weird lumpy yellow cheese looking chair <laughs> thinking <laughs> about math. It did remind- oh, what's it remind me of? It reminded me of like this uh, like, um, marshmallow concoction of treat yeah i I, like you know i can't i don't eat them but you know the kind of treats i'm i'm thinking of right the the, uh sort of like mini marshmallows and um like cereal and stuff that's all squished together yeah Mm -hmm. it was like that except in large form as a spaceship interior in this weird spaceship of axonite yeah i feel like this wasn't a very strong doctor episode he didn't he didn't do a lot in the stuff that he did i, I just i didn't find terribly impressive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah which which led for more room for the master yeah the master was far more impressive in this and as was the brigadier mm-hmm. that's I, a, mm-hmm. I like also like the brigadier when you know the guy was coming in and to tell him hey you're still under arrest and the brigadier's like i don't think yeah. so sir well still on the phone yep. they got a better think you better contact your H- headquarters there mm-hmm. uh mr chin gets another ranking through the coals oh, yeah. you know being told to like start distribution of uh, accident immediately if you can't here's your resignation just ready for signature like he is he is just so not trusted or looked upon well in the ministry yep metal management that's 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 where you are that sucks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so you're enjoying the story then at, at the very is it still just fine or yeah it's 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 good i it's, i we made a tactical error tonight what was that tactical error 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 it's <laughs> a tough couple <laughs> of words to say in a row uh, I think you may have just figured it out based on the look on your face. Yeah. yeah um, we wanted to watch some Doctor Who and a bit of the Sandbaggers. Yep. And I thought, oh, I need to eat some food and stuff. And I don't want to be eating while we're watching uh, a new to me Doctor Who and podcasting because mm-hmm. eating and podcasting is a bad mix. So let's watch the Sandbaggers first while I'm having my supper. So we did that. Yeah. And it's the Sandbaggers, yeah. which is amazing and really 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 good and then we watched part three of the claws of axis which is you know if we would have done it the other way around i might be more effusive in my praise but um anything coming after an episode of sandbaggers is probably gonna pale in comparison a little bit yeah michael ferguson produced this the episode of the sand he didn't direct it but he was the producer of it yeah, I noticed his name in the credits. Yep. Yep. He's in the na- he's in all the credits, I think, because he's either producer or director of pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Yeah. So is the Sandbaggers. It's a good one tonight, wasn't it? Oh my God! Yes, it was. It was really, really good. Yeah. Yep. We're we're getting to the point where we don't have too many left, so I'm trying to treasure them as much as possible. But yeah, so that's that is part of why I'm just sort of like, yep, that's that was a Doctor Who episode. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Like I, uh, um. We went and saw Rise of Skywalker, which we both really, really liked. We saw it three times, but I was almost like, I don't want to watch it again after Doctor Who comes back because I have a hard time switching between something that will, you know, is intended to be blowing you away on the big screen and stuff. And then you're sort of like, well, Doctor Who seems a little quaint after all that. Not to say that um, uh, Sandbaggers is a big, giant <laughs> epic. Hell no. 
either, but if you're really excited about one thing and then it's mm-hmm. tough to sort of switch gears to another, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I I generally don't have trouble switching between like two things that I love a lot, but this yeah. is, you know, this is not this is this is I I'm working at being positive about this era of Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Like it's taking some effort. You're doing well. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm I am trying. Yeah. You're 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 seeing, you know, you're seeing the things that uh that you um, enjoy about it and focusing on that and I'm pleased that like because um, I was worried that you were thinking that the doctor would just be an ass every single episode and so far I don't I, I was worried that that was yeah. going to be the case but so far I, I don't feel like that has come through at least in, in what you've talked about no I feel I think seeing it in context and watching these episodes as like in order mm-hmm. uh, is a lot easier than like you know watching like say the fifth doctor and his you know family oriented sort of like you know it's the TARDIS fam you know uh or the second doctor or something like that and then switching to the third doctor and his sort of you know just his different style of interacting with people Mm -hmm. is much more jarring now when it's just him all the time it's not it's not as much of a jarring sort of sort of thing Right. So we, you know, we often say that, hey, you can jump in anywhere when it comes to Doctor Who and enjoy it. But really, you can't. (laughs) You have to watch it from the very beginning, including all the missing episodes and audio reconstructions and everything else to really fully appreciate it. Only to really fully appreciate the third Doctor. That's the only one. Like all, I've never had any trouble watching any of the other Doctors except for the seventh Doctor, but I did watch the seventh Doctor in context as well so yeah i did yeah third doctor is the only one that you haven't watched well i suppose the first two actually too you haven't watched in context yeah yeah i had only watched bits and pieces and i i honestly didn't care a lot for william hartnell having just watched a few of his stories Mm -hmm. here and there um so so yeah i guess maybe the the first and third doctor being sort of the most i don't know prickly in some ways Mm -hmm. um and you know what? Maybe I wouldn't have liked uh, Colin Baker's Doctor as much either had I watched just a, like a random episode of his after watching like the fourth Doctor for a while or something. But I, you know, since I grew up at the right time, mm-hmm. I saw the fifth, sixth and seventh Doctors all like of a piece. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah me too. So, so yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's probably like more depending on your personality, like whichever doctor is going doctor or doctors are going to rub you the wrong way the most. Um, if you watch them in context, it will probably be a better experience for you. And I mean, every person that's going to be different for me, it's the first and third and mm-hmm. probably sixth <laughs> as well and seventh. Um, but uh, but yeah, for other people like, you know, don't particularly love Tom Baker. No. As a doctor, so. that's true. Happy birthday, Tom Baker, by the way. Oh yeah, happy birthday to Tom yeah. Baker. But uh, but yeah, maybe watching him in context rather than just suddenly being like, oh my god, this is a very big doctor with very right. big teeth and curls, uh, and you know, uh, maybe just watching him sort of as he evolves would be a much smoother experience for for somebody like my podcast co-host Deb. That's true. Mm-hmm. I look forward to sort of like getting to the Tom Baker era and other eras in context. Mm-hmm. Just to see what we think of them, if we think any different of them when the time comes, knowing knowing the Tom Baker era as well as we do, like what will it be like? Oh, wow, this is suddenly very different, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. And I mean, the early Tom Baker era is still a little unfamiliar to me because I haven't seen it as much. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all very exciting. All these things that we have to look forward to, but uh, the thing we have to look forward to most right now is part four of The Claws of Axos, which we'll talk about on the next episode of Lazy Doctor Who. Goodbye. 
<laughs> I didn't do it. Goodbye. <laughs>